we're learning in the schos of our four Shlemo Kreva Farav Yaakov Tuvia Ben Chava Gito. Um, if you have a Chumash and Rashi, you might want to uh, bring it closer. Um, you don't need it extensively, but it's always good to be able to see it, even for a few minutes. So, see if Aleph, Beparshasenu Mesupar, Shemesha Rabbeinu Bikesh Meisa Kadosh Baruch Hu Hareini Noiz Kvaydecha. A parsha tells us that Meisha asked of a Kadosh Baruch Hu, I want to see your glory. And obviously the Torah tells us that Meisha was zeichet to speak to Hashem, panim al panim. So this has to be something different, something of a different order. Ve'heshivai Kadosh Baruch Hu, and Hashem replied, Le'isucha liris is panai goime, ve'raisis acharai ufanai lo yiro'u. You will not be able to see my face. You will be able to see my back, but my face you will not be able to see. And on the words, and you will be able to see my back, Perish Rashi, Rashi explains, Rashi comments, Hashem showed Maisha the knot of his tefillin. We have to understand. In Yanai shall perish Rashi Alatara, who lafarish Pshutai shall Mikra. Right? Rashi's st- stated mandate is to explain the simple explanation of each verse. Mahu Hakaishi Khan, Bipshutu shall Mikra, Shekhriach has Rashi lafarish Achare Hainu Kesha shall Tvilin. So, what exactly is bothering Rashi here? Ma Koshala Rashi. What compels him to explain that the word acharai, which literally means my backside, is the keshashal tefillin, is the knot of tefillin? And you cannot answer that what compels Rashi to comment in this manner is that the term acharai, is is just not appropriate uh, vis-a-vis Hashem, because obviously God is divested of any physical aspect. But the Rebbe says, but, but, but you can't, that can't be the reason why Rashi feels compelled to comment in this way, for a few reasons. Because there are numerous places in the Torah where there are physical corporeal attributes attributed to Hashem. And we don't find that Rashi applies the same metric and says, well, it's not possible that you should say about Hashem such and such, therefore it means something else. In other words, anthropomorphism is ubiquitous in the Torah. You find it over and over and over again. And Rashi never feels compelled to say, oh, well, this is code for something else. And like we see in, in this part of the Torah, in this cluster of psukim, right here we see, 
Le'el Nemar. Earlier, it says, Le'isucha liris is panai. Hashem says, you will not be able to see my face. Virashi le'kosav mu'uma levaris aperish de'ponim lemaila. And Rashi doesn't comment at all to explain what panim means when you're talking about Hashem. Ubehechach leimar. So we're forced to say, So we're forced to conclude that, uh, that anthropomorphism is not something that Rashi um, deals with in his commentary. And so if he's not bothered by what Hashem's face means, why is he bothered by Hashem's back? But there's more. But there's something that is even more difficult to understand. And, and let's say that uh, this is anomalous. And Rashi in general does not deal with anthropomorphism. But here he is very bothered by this. And he wants to explain what achirai means when you're talking about Hashem. So as the Rebbe says... So how does Rashi's comment here answer the question? If you want to say that this is actually the question of Rashi, he's bothered by how you can attribute a term like the back to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So how is his comment an answer? Because the knot of tefillin is also a physical thing. And it is also obviously metaphoric. The imkain, and if this is so, So what was gained, in other words, the Ben Chamesh Lemikra, whether chronologically five years old or the person who is starting to learn and wants to understand the pshat. So what was accomplished here by Rashi saying that the back of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, oh, well, actually it's not his back. It's the, it's the knot of his tefillin. Because that too is a metaphor. That too needs to be unpacked. So now the Ben Chamesh Mikra, instead of having to unpack one thing, has to deal with two things that are metaphor. On the contrary, if, in fact, it was necessary to find some kind of mushal, some kind of analogy to explain to the five-year-old what Hashem's back is, Sorry, but I but kind of had to read all that to explain. So the Rebbe says that if you're actually trying to explain this to somebody who needs, um, let's say, more rudimentary explanation, then it would make sense to stick with Panim and Achar. Stick with the words of the Pasuk, because they are actually... Pretty explanatory. Face, every everybody can understand that face is is kind of explaining a situation where you can see in revealed fashion something about this person. 
You could see what they look like. You could see their ability to see and hear and so on and so forth. Whereas the back, the back of a person is kind of, you know, they are eclipsed. It's, it's very um, plain and simple and oblique, and you can't see anything specific or special about them. So if we if we take away the brackets, let's go back. So if if you would just stick with the words of the Pasuk and understand that obviously it's an analogy, it's anthropomorphism, it's not meant to be taken literally, it would be much simpler to understand that Hashem says to Moshe, no, you cannot see my face, which is a greater level of revelation, you could see my back. That's much simpler to, than to unravel what does it mean, the knot of the tefillin. And specifically because it's understood in this context that Panem V'achar is, is a mushal. And now the only thing that Rashi has done is put another layer of mushal on a layer of mushal already. It seems just making it more complex rather than tearing it down and making it more simple. Gam Tzarek Lahabim Balashan Rashi we also have to understand um, in the specificity of what Rashi brings down, in the deeper hamaschil, in the words that um, that pre that preface Rashi's commentary, the words of the pasuk, he includes the word viraisa, <clears throat> and this is a chiddush of how the Rebbe learns Rashi. Uh, conventionally, it's understood that the, those are just, you know, random words, and 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 then Rashi gives his comment. But the Rebbe explained that the words that are in the Debra Maschil are part of Rashi's commentary. So why does he include the word Herau that Hashem showed him, when it would seem that Rashi is just addressing Achayrai, the back. So why does why does it have why does he have, I'm sorry why does he bring down from the pasuk vira isa you will see, and then in his commentary why does he bring down the word herahu, in other words he could have just brought down achayrai and then in the comment kesheshel tefillin. But Rashi includes in the Debra maschil vira isa, and then in his parish he includes herahu he showed him. Rashi, the, the what Rashi wants to be Mahadish here is only on the word Achar, the back of Hashem. The back of Hashem, the, my back is the Kesher Tfilin. But no, Rashi writes, Hashem showed him the knot of the Tfilin. Those are the questions on the Rashi. Base. And the explanation. Before Hashem replied to Moshe's request, when Moshe said, please show me your glory, 
so before Hashem said, that you will not be able to see my face, earlier, it says, Hashem says to Moshe, I will cause to pass all of my goodness upon your face. And I will call in the name of Hashem before you, and I will show you grace, etc., etc. And only afterwards comes something additional where Hashem says, You will not be able to see. So if you have a Chomish, please let's just look at this very quickly. Pasuk Yudchas in Perak Lamid Gimel. Pasuk Yudchas, Maisha says, Hareini na eskvaydecha. Please grant me a vision of your glory. <clears throat> and Hashem answers in Pasuk Yudchas, Ani avir al kol tuvi al panecha. I will cause all my goodness to pass before your presence. Dikarasi b'shem Hashem lefanecha, and will proclaim the name Hashem in your presence. The chanoisi is asher achain, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. Virichamti, and I will be compassionate as asher arachim for to whom I will be compassionate. Then in pasuk chaf it says vayimer, and Hashem says leisucha liris es panai hilo yirani haadam v'chay. You cannot see my presence, my face, for no man can see my face, for no man can see my presence and live. So the Rebbe says, Mahi hashaychus ha'amira harishayna lebakashas maisha hareni nas kvaydecha. Essentially, what is the connection between pasuk yutas and what Moshe asked for in Pasuk Yudchas. Moshe asked to see Hashem. Hashem, instead of going directly to Pasuk Chaf and saying, no, you can't, but I will tell you what I will do for you. First, Hashem says, I will cause all my goodness to pass before your presence, and so on and so forth. So Perish Rashi, Shirashi explains. So let's look at Rashi on Pasuk Yudchas. Under the words Ani Avir, Rashi says, Higia Shah, the time has come, Shatira Bichvoidi, for you to see of my glory, Masha Arse Oisha Lirais, that which I will allow you to see. Lafi Shani Raitsa Vitsarak Lilam Medcha Sedatfila, because I want and need. To teach you the order of prayer. For when you will need to ask for mercy for B'nai Yisrael, I'm sorry, when you needed to ask for after the Cheta Egel, you reminded me of the Schus Avais. You thought that if the merit of the Avais were to be exhausted, there would no longer be any hope. Therefore, I will cause to pass all the attributes of my goodness before you, while you will stand concealed in the cave. Okay. So now let's go back into the Sikha. But uh, wait, one more thing. And let's look at 
the next Rashi, Vikarasi Bashem Hashem Lefanecha, Lamedcha Seder Bakashas Rachamim, Af Imtichlez Chos Avoy, so as to teach you the order of asking for Hashem's Rachamim, even if the merit of the Avoy were to be exhausted. The Seder Shatarayasi, and in this order that you see me, Mu'utaf, wrapped in a talis, Vikare Yudgimel Mitis, while proclaiming the 13 attributes. Have a melamed as Yisrael lasis came. You should teach B'nai Yisrael to do likewise. And by mentioning before me all of my attributes, including the merciful one, the gracious one, they will be answered. Because my mercies are never exhausted. So the Rebbe says, we find. That when the Abishra says you will see my back, this is not something separate. But it's a continuation of what Hashem says in Pasuk Yutes. I will cause to pass before you all of my goodness. That Moshe seeing Hashem wrapped in a talus and calling these names Mamshicha Al Yedei Ubal Ledei Bitoi Ba'ifin Shel Vera'isa Esachayrei. So seeing Hashem's back is the full expression and is drawn down through this seeing the back. That what does it mean to see Hashem Ma'utaf in a talus? And 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 saying the Yudkimamidasarachamim, this is going to come to fruition, this is going to come to expression, this is going to be drawn down in the words Vera Isa Esachira, you will see my back. Gimel. Va'al Pizeh, so based on this, Aina move on Pershapasuk Vera Isa Zachira. So what does it mean? It's not understood, it's not readily understood. What does it mean? You will see my back. Because Hashem had appeared to Moshe as Shliach uh, Tzibor, as one leading the prayers, wrapped in a talis. And what Moshe saw was only after Hashem passed, meaning only the back of Hashem, in Cain, Eze inin shall tira so what exactly transpired here? What expression of seeing Hashem's back, which is seeing Hashem's glory, transpired here? When you look at a person from the back who is wrapped in a talus, the talus completely shrouds and eclipses the person that is wrapped in the talus. So what exactly did Moshe see? What 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 is this what is this referring to? Exactly what facet of Moshe seeing the glory of Hashem it, it, it comes to expression here if Hashem is covered in a talus and a talus completely you know, uh, hides the person that's in it. And the Rebbe says in, in the bracket, 
Ilu If you were talking about a garment that was made out of some very special material, for instance, as the big day kahuna that were made for the kahanim and the kain gadol, and they were made specifically to add glory and splendor to the wearer. So if it was made out of some type of spectacular or very specific type of material, then you might be able to say that the talis was seeing Hashem wrapped in a talis was seeing a vision of Hashem's glory, of Hashem's kavod utiferes, that somehow the talis accentuates and highlights and um, and broadcasts the the glory and the beauty of Hashem. But we don't find anywhere any kind of condition that a talis has to be made from very specific, very special, very expensive materials. On the contrary, Minig Yisrael, the 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 custom really is Minig Yisrael Shatayrahi. The custom which becomes Taira is Shatalis Hashliach Tzibur Nasis Mitzemer that the talis is made out of wool. Ubefrat Lefiyam Eforshim, and especially if you go according to what our commentaries teach us, that the term talis b'maimer Chazal zeh. Very, very famously, we have in the Gemara, two people are holding on to a talis. And the way that it's understood in the Gemara, it's understood as a some kind of garment. Two people are coming to Bastin. Two people are holding on. They're both holding on to the talis. And each one is saying, it belongs to me. It's not referring to... Talis in general is not referring to some kind of spectacular garment, something that would showcase the beauty of the wearer. On the contrary, it seems to be very everyday, very pedestrian. And so Rashi comes to answer this question, which is exactly in which way is Hashem showing his glory to Moshe more than on any other time, if he's showing his back as he is wrapped in a talus. <clears throat> it would seem that that uh, it's an eclipse of what of what Moshe may have seen at other times. So Rashi answers to this question: What does this mean? First of all, Moshe saw Hashem wrapped in his talis. Hainu, loyrek betalis, elagam betfilin. That the word meutaf doesn't just mean in this case wrapped in a talis, but also in tefillin. and like the five-year-old knows, shalifamim hashatz meutaf betalis bovad. Sometimes the shliach tibor is wrapped only in a talus, like on Shabbos and Yom Tif. And sometimes in talus at fillin. 
ומשה ראה קשר של תפילין, שמקיימי הוא מאחריו של האדם. And Moshe saw the tefillin, the knot of the tefillin, which is in the back of the person. And now the Rebbe says, now we can understand what seems to be an extra word, both in the Debra HaMaskil and in Rashi's comment. And that's why Rashi wants to underscore the word he showed him the Kesher of Tefillin, or like in the Deeper Amasca, Vera Isa. Because if HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing himself to Moshe as he is wrapped, So if you're following the logic here, right, in some anthropomorphic way, Hashem is showing himself to Moshe wrapped in a talus, so the talus must be covering the knot of the tefillin. How does Moshe see the knot of the tefillin, which is like by the nape of the neck, but the talus covers that. Hashem, as it were, lowered his, he, he, he uncovered his talus, in this place, and he showed Moshe the Kesher of his tefillin. And so how is this showcasing of the knot of the tefillin a revelation of the glory of Hashem this Rashi does not need to explain. This Rashi does not need to articulate. Because this, even the five-year-old understands and sees by himself. And what is that? That hatfilin shal roish munachais ala roish kekeser hamakiv esaroish. That the tfilin of the head lie on the head like a crown that encircles the head. And therefore, tefillin automatically is related to something that is precious and glory. And, and we know, famously, you know, we just passed um, Purim Katan, which means that Purim is on its way for real now. And when we say, um, we know that Chazal teaches that Yakar is tefillin. And that's why the Miguel is red, Dafka wearing tefillin, etc., etc. So the Rebbe says, Rashi doesn't have to explain to the Mechamesh what it is that Moshe saw in this revelation that's unique and unparalleled because this is the only time it seems that Hashem showed his tefillin. And tefillin is always um, connected with and a manifestation of glory and preciousness. And now the Rebbe further kind of drills down on the words of Rashi and says, not just 
tefillin, but the kesha shel tefillin. Loi haritzuis, not the straps that hang down. Afal pisha haritzuis, mishtal shleis mina kesha shel tefillin, vehena ruchais mimenu. Even though the ritzuis, the, the straps, they they are connected to, they devolve from, they come down from the knot of the tefillin. And they are, of course, longer than it. And so even from the back, you might be able to see them more than you would see the, the uh, knot. And like we see on, on a person in this world, that sometimes the knot is actually covered by their yarmulke. In contradistinction, the Ritsuyas are, are easier to see. They hang down and they go further down. But the Rebbe says, what's the inning of the Kesher? Because the Tefillin are like a crown, um, like a tiara or a crown. And therefore, it is something having to do with the glory. But the fact that the tefillin encircle the head like a tiara or like a crown, this depends on the kesher. This depends on the knot. Because it's the knot that keeps the tefillin Firmly affixed on the head. Doubt. Okay, that's one level of explanation. But the Rebbe says, Amnam, however, But we still have to understand this on a, on, a, on a deeper level. Okay, the Rebbe answered all the questions, but he says, but now let's go deeper. Because the fulfillment of Maisha's request, please let me see your glory. And this came to fruition through his seeing Hashem's back, as it were. But because all of this comes in connection with Hashem teaching Moshe the Yudkim Omidus Harachamim, Hare Bivadai Einze Inyan study. So it is definitely not, you know, something that's just kind of secondary, uh, you know, like an appendix. It's not marginal, not peripheral. That when Hashem taught Moshe, the order of asking for Hashem's mercy for eternity, that at the same time, Hashem showed him his back. But rather, yeah. Can we stop for a minute and go back to the point? What are the points? I'm trying to get the continuity here. You, 
the points that the Rebbe makes, the points that he answers, and now he's going more than that. Okay, so the, the question was, what, what is Rashi hoping to teach the Mechamish the Mikra by supplying something as an explanation that seems, if anything, more difficult to decode? Because to say a face or a back, no, we understand that Hashem doesn't have a physical face, Hashem doesn't have a physical back, but we can understand that one is a more manifest revelation because when you look at the face of a person, you could see really important things about them. Uh, when you look at the back of a person, you, you, you know, sometimes you can't decipher who it is from the back. That's how little you could understand about the person from their back. So if, if, if in general Rashi is not bothered by um, these kinds of terminologies in the Torah, which they're all over the Torah, you know, uh, Hashem flaring his nostrils, Hashem's hand, Hashem's pinky, whatever it is. There's so many of these. And in general, Rashi doesn't um, feel compelled. And right here in this Indian, Rashi doesn't say anything about what it means to see Hashem's face. So if he does feel compelled, what did he explain and what did he add by saying the Kesha Shalt If anything, that's more abstruse. It's it's more difficult to, to understand. And then the Rebbe asked another question, which is, why does Rashi bring down from the pasuk seemingly a word in, into the um, into the Dibur uh, Hamaschil that doesn't seem to be the focus of his explanation, and um, and that is the word Vira Isa. He doesn't just bring down the word Achirai; he brings down Vira Isa, and in his explanation, he doesn't just bring down Kesha Sheltfilin; he brings down the word Her Ahu. He showed him. So those are the questions. So the Rebbe explains that the, the, the question that's lurking here that Rashi wants to explain is <laughs> what exactly did Moshe see? In other words, how was this a special manifestation of, uh, of, of the Abishta's glory? If earlier Rashi already told us that the Abish is wrapped in a talus, and Bechlal, when a person's wrapped in a talus, your mamish can't see anything of them. And then the Rebbe even says that it's one thing would be if you would say that the talus is made out of very special materials that enhance the, the, the person's figure or the contours of the, of the person's body. But, but talus generally means something very made out of wool, something very kind of everyday and simple. That's why he brings down that Hashem showed him something. And what did he show him? He showed him tefillin. And tefillin is always connected with yakar and kavod. It's always connected with something that is splendorous and, and glorious. And that's why he brings down that he showed him, meaning that the Abishter uncovered his knot so that Moshe should be able to see it. And what's the greatness of the knot? Why not the Ritzuis? Why the Kesher? Because it's the Kesher that keeps the tefillin like a crown around the head in its place where it has to be affixed. It keeps it firmly affixed on the head. So that was the, um, the first part of the Sikha, asking those questions. 
and 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 explaining every single word of Rashi, how how it's seminal to understanding what's going on here. Thank you. Now, Esther, is there anything that's still like bothering you, or that was just wanted that recap? Okay. I have to unmute. It takes a minute. And now oh, it's good. No Great. Problem. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. So now the Rebbe says, but we have to understand what's going on here. So once we understand that this special revelation came in consonance with Hashem teaching Moshe, the Yudgim Amidasarachim, then for sure, the Rebbe says in the next paragraph, ain't Indian study. It's not a sidebar. It's not something tangential. It's 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 absolutely crucial. It's it's something absolutely um pivotal. In order for Moshe to learn the Yudgim Amidasarachim completely. So there had to be that at the same time that Hashem taught him the Yudgim Amidus Arachamim, there had to be that He showed him the Kesher Shel Tefillin. The Yuvan, and we'll understand this. And we'll understand this through first prefacing that the Seder Hatfila was in a way where Moshe sees Hashem wrapped in a talus. And he's wrapped in a talus, and he's saying, you give him a rachamin. De l'chaira ain't a move on. Seemingly, this is not understood. Ikar inyan hatfila, harehu amiris yud gimel midas rachamin. Shehein pay alois hakium devechanoisi virichamti. It would seem that the main focus would be on the yud gimel midas rachamin, and it is those Yudkimal Midasarachamim that can affect Hashem's uh, grace and mercy, etc. Why is it necessary that the one who articulates these Yudkimal Midas should be wrapped in a talus? Why is that so crucial? Hey, and we might say the following is one of the explanations. Very generally, the concept of sin, which this particular tefillah, and in general tefillah, is about arousing mercy to be speared the punishment that visits upon us after a sin. So the Rebbe says that generally, the concept of chait, nigram me'inyan hashikha, is caused by forgetfulness. Dechlolos inyan hashikha nimshach me'aklipa, ma'sha'inkein b'tzadak dusha, ein shikha lifne kisei kvaydecha. All forgetfulness comes from klipa. In contradistinction, on the side of holiness, 
as it says in Gemara Brachas, there is no forgetfulness before your seat of glory. Now the Rebbe explains, B'nai Yisrael, harehe ma'aminim b'nai ma'aminim, right? Famous Gemara that B'nai Yisrael are believers, the children of believers. Kol echad ma'amin be'emes, asher b'reishis bar'lakim shemayim ba'aretz v'chol tzva'ehem, v'asher kadosh baruch hu mechadesh b'tulvay b'chol yom tamid ma'ase b'reishis. Every Jew believes that Hashem created the world, the heaven and the earth, and all of its hosts, and that Hashem renews in his goodness the universe every single day on a constant basis. Shebechol yayim, ubechol rega, every day, every moment, mechadish Hashem yizbarech, mechadash esabriya kula. Hashem completely recreates the world at every nanomoment. From what? Me'ayin ve'efes hamuchlot mamish. From complete nothingness. The world is recreated at every moment, like before Sheshis and Mebrashis, from the same nothingness that preceded the creation the first time. But we have to ask, when a Jew recognizes and feels, that at every moment he, she is being created again by Hashem. And after one moment elapses, he will need again the, the words of Hashem to renew his existence from nothing to somethingness. So how is it possible? Even if, God forbid, this Jew is a tremendous Baal Taiva, has tremendous lusts and, and, and a yen for things that trespass Hashem's words. But how is it possible? How is it possible that he would not fulfill Hashem's will? Which would mean, it means that he doesn't fulfill his desires. If he knows and he recognizes and he feels that Hashem is recreating him every moment, which means that he understands and he feels that his entire existence is linked up with Hashem completely. So how is it possible that he won't fulfill Hashem's will in this very moment. Irrespective of the fact that he has Taibas. But if he knows that his entire existence hinges on Hashem's word, that there's nothing and he's nothing and all of his Taibas is nothing, if not for Hashem recreating the world every moment, how is it possible for there to be this disconnect? And even if he imagines, or he, he, the way he perceives it with his eyes, that he finds himself in a situation with so many obstacles and so many things that are preventing him from serving Hashem, 
and so many things that are bothering him from serving Hashem. But he knows. But because a Jew is a believer, the child of a, of a believer, he knows with complete confidence and complete assurance. Shagam hadvarim hamaakfim atzmam. I'm sorry. Shagam hadvarim hamaakfim atzmam. That even these things, these very things that seem to be preventing him from serving Hashem, nivru al yedei Hakadosh Baruch Hu beregazeh me'ayin ve'efes hamuchlot mamash. They were created by Hashem in this moment from the nothingness. Kimoy lefnei sheishis mebreishis mamash. They were created from the same nothingness that preceded creation. Uvachain, and therefore, loyitachain shehem be'emes hefach retzayin Hashem. It's a meichadik thing here. Rabbi is saying, how is it possible for you to be cowered or cowed or or wowed by something and see it as an obstacle when they recognize? That the Abish should just created that a moment ago. So if the Abish should just created this, it can't really be a prevention to anything having to do with Yahadus. It can't be a prevention. It cannot be something that is an obstacle to Hashem's will. Hashem just created it. And then it has to be that it only seems like it's an obstacle, but it's not actually an obstacle. Vim came, and if so, go ahead. No, I'm saying it ends off the paragraph. It's ending off with the question mark. Yeah, that's the question. How could a yid, for even one moment, believe something to actually be? The, the earlier question was, how can a yid... Uh, separate himself from the Abishta's Ratzain when he knows that that his very existence hinges on Hashem every moment in time. Like when we know that we are at the favor of somebody, uh, you know, at their whim, we we try to stay on their good side. So for Yid knows this with every fiber of their being, how could they uh, disconnect themselves from the Ebishter? Ah, so the, so the Rebbe says, so now you're going to come and you're going to say, but there's all of these things in the world that prevent me. And that's why it's impossible. There's all these speed bumps. There's all these obstacles. I, I can't. So the Rebbe says, but he knows that everything is created every moment in time from nothingness. So it must be that these things that he is claiming are preventative uh, factors are not. It can't be. And so if so, So how do we explain the existence of a Jew who acts contrary to what is very clearly understood. How does he act so contrary to what logic compels? Logic compels. If you understand who you are and you understand upon what you hinge, 
<laughs> then you will recognize that force and you will remain in alignment. How is it possible? Of course, he, he knows. Knows, he knows. But in that moment, he forgets. Shikha. But when the concept of remembrance exists for this Jew, properly, then all of these other things that appear as obstacles that this Jew is claiming, what should I do? I have all these obstacles, they all kind of disappear. And then he is able to fulfill Tera Mitzvah properly, completely. And so completely that everything that he does, not just mitzvahs, but everything that he does is done L'Shem Shemayim. And in every one of his ways, it is clear that he under, that he knows Hashem. Without there arising in his heart any external thoughts, anything that's not part of what Debshter wants from him. So um, can I ask a question? It it seems like this whole concept is like predicated on the idea that you would know something and then you need to remember it. And clearly, like obviously we struggle with this because you know, even if we know it, we don't remember it. But what about the idea that if this is such a struggle for us who knows it and forgets it, what about the thousands of Jews who don't, if you want to say know it? Is the Rebbe saying that they know it in their neshamas and that's why it's effective? Well, or so, is this like an well, actual well, knowing and practicality? So, so go back to the second paragraph and say, if hey. The Rebbe is not differentiating. Now, of course, what you're saying is true. <laughs> you know, that the more you learn and the more you're exposed and the more you have the privilege of, of learning, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, the more it sinks in and the harder it is to forget. But but the Rebbe begins by saying, This is true of every yid. This is built in. It, yeah, it's 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 in our DNA. It's congenital. Harder for people fifty years and older because we have uh, easier. You know, we we forget things a little bit more. So maybe, and that's also part of Hashem's plan that when you age, you start forgetting things. So well, guess, maybe it's easier because it's you've been practicing for so long. Exactly. You you have a better understanding of over forty. Right. I'm looking forward so, to being forty just for that. Eh, I don't know. It only gets better, Sarah. Um, yeah, so I, I, I don't think it's talking about that, but I think I think Rocky brought that in. Sachus. Rifki, where is where is laziness <laughs> and a lack of enthusiasm or a lack of? It's not that you're forgetting it. You might even know it, but you just don't do it. Because you you put other things into the picture that are you know sort of irrelevant excuses whatever, and you don't have the highest to do it. 
so I, I thank you for the question because I think I think I think it allows us to deepen this idea. What 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 does remembering really mean, or what what is it code for? It means that it's important. And when something is important, you're not lazy about it. I should say when it's important to you, <laughs> you're not lazy about it. So like people don't forget to come to their own weddings. They're not too lazy to come to their own wedding. People don't forget to pick up a check for $10 million that they won in a lottery. Their adults don't forget to go to the bathroom. Uh, some of us don't forget to eat. Like th there are certain things that you don't forget. But what, what that really is saying is they are too important. They are non-negotiable. And then there are things that, that we can't forget. So in, to use like, I think, um, contemporary language, I think what it's saying is, what is the priority? Because whatever you prioritize, you're not gonna forget. So whether forget for, you forget mamish or you're lazy to do it, I think it's all part of um, a larger thing, which is what is going to be remembered? which means what is going to take prominence? What's going to be in position number one on your front burner? Laziness, forgetfulness, uh, uh, pushing it off, procrastination. It's all different iterations of the same thing. Because nobody's going to say, oh, well, I'm too lazy to take my child to the emergency room now. <laughs> it's not a think. Could be too lazy to start Pesach cleaning <laughs> or, or, or uh, I don't know, organize your spices. That's you know. Especially because every time I organize my spices, within two hours, they are disorganized, just saying. Sorry, you were saying something much more important. The thing that also comes to mind, which is interesting, and we talk about laziness, but is stress. Stress causes us to, um, it affects memory. Stress very much affects memory. You lose memory, causes, and, and it I think loss of memory cells. And we're always told that, that stress is no good, blah, blah, blah. But when you read the, with the Sitka here, what that I was saying is, that if you remember it every single minute, that it's the Abish there, and he's making it happen in every single second, then where's the stress coming from? And that is directly connected to forgetfulness, to shichach also, which the which the sikh is talking about. So I just find it fascinating that this concept of knowing that the Abish is doing this every single minute, or it's coming from the Abish there, should lessen our stress. And therefore, our forgetfulness will not happen as much. Anyway, that's just the point that I'm taking out of this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and and like to Rochi's point, or, and to your point, Esther, I wonder if this is talking about like actual forgetfulness, like, like or more of a lackadaisical, you know, <laughs> attitude towards something. Like, 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 again, like lack of it being important. 
It could be, but 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 the fact is that lack of it being important that causes us maybe to be flippant or whatever about certain mitzvahs, but stress actually causes us to that affects amuna even also. It's just such a and it affects us even in some way tremendously. I don't know. This is just the way I'm right. Anyway. Right, but Esther, I think what's going on is that the Rebbe is giving the base, the baseline, better said, um, that this is the way it should be, and this is the way what it is. Now, if there are minuyim and ekuvim that are also created by Hashem, so then you know what? Take care of those minuyim and ekuvim. Take care of the stress. Take care of your your ADHD that causes you to be um, procrastinator that... You know, that's what I think. I don't know. We're dealing with October 7th. I mean, we're dealing with huge issues now. That you have to remember that the Avishta made this happen, and this is part of the picture. And you have right. to be a maimin b'nei maiminim. Right. So you still was a good thing to remind us. Sipa wrote, I think this is the way which Hashem pre-programmed us. This is the entire dynamic of creation. Hashem is hidden. And we have to struggle to bring him to our consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And remember every moment who we are, what we are, why we are. It just seems like this is because it's like the way the Rev is saying that it's something that we are created this way. It's almost like our default mode. So we can always go back to that, which is so different than creating it in ourselves which is sometimes how we think we have to do it. Like we have to create something from nothing where really the Rebbe is saying it's there. It's like you have it as your default. You just have to kind of refresh it. You just have to remember. You just have to remember. That when you're standing, there's no no forgetting. I think it's interesting. Sorry, Rabbi Levi, it's remember Ditchev. You know, he had this tiny, you know, why did you write, you know, what's real in the books and, and what's... Tiny book, yeah. Exactly. I mean, but it's works? interesting that we have this like negativity bias that we remember negative things so that we don't do them again. But somehow this is like programmed into us. We don't seem to naturally remember it. We have to work so hard to remember it. And I don't know, maybe that's just because we have, because we have to have yeah, it's the same meaning that Rachi brought up with, 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 with the whole tire, it's in a tiny book and the whole world is full of tivas or the fact that our Nefesh comes in later after our Nefesh Bahamas has already very, uh, has has made itself very comfortable, <laughs> etc. Um, but you know what I just remember, now I got like this flashback of the announcement that used to be made in 770 by the Yom Nairaim, the Gaba used to knock on the on the stender and say, I'll first say in Yiddish and I'll, I'll translate, He urged everybody to remember where we're standing and before whom we are standing. Um, but but the, how many sikhs does the Rebbe say that the first halach in the whole Shulchan Aruch is Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Summit? That a Yid has to get up and remember that Hashem is always standing before me. And what would, how would our lives look different if we remembered that every moment? So I once had a class. I'm I'm not going to get it exactly right, but it stuck with me forever. And and I'm going to use the wrong terminology. So Tony, you know, usually we, women don't tell their age, and you're telling us that you're well, first forever. of all. I'm one of the elder chassid, not elder women on this class. So I, 
so the the class was um not which is i guess the worst jew but i like i don't really know the word the on shot this the person who doesn't who who um who just tears the toilet paper or the person who shomer shabbos and forgets that it's shabbos and tears the toilet paper it's the person who shomer shabbos and forgets you don't forget let let it's it sticks with me in many many things person who doesn't know doesn't know but the person who knows and forgets Rab explains this on on why um taloi when you when you bring a carbon for something that maybe you did the avera rather than the 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 carbon that you have to bring when you know with certainty that you brought avera why it why do you have to bring a more expensive carbon for the maybe because vasei some maybe <laughs> why how could it be that it's something that David told you not to do maybe 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 you did eat the chaylev. In other words, why didn't you put the precautions in place that you wouldn't eat the fat of an animal that you're not allowed to eat? There's no, you know, it's, it's exactly what, what 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 Joni just said. Well, if you did, you have to know you did it. How how could you have done something wrong and not even know that you did something wrong? Like exactly. you're not even aware of it. Exactly, it wasn't important enough, and that's and that's that's why it takes a higher level of tshuva. And that's why when when you come before the Ebishta to evoke Rachamim and you say the 30 midas of Rachamim, then there has to be the Indian of being wrapped bitalis. You have to be enclosed or unwrapped in a talisman filling. Why? Because both of these mitzvahs are connected with remembrance. The Torah says about tzitzis, because talus is really the mitzvah of tzitzis, you will see them and you will remember. And about tzitzis, it says, It will be a remembrance before between your eyes. And that's why they are connected to, or they're adjacent to the redressing, the fixing, and the uprooting of the sin, which is forgetfulness. And when you do that, and this will bring to Hashem being gracious and having mercy on us. Vav. Alpihanal, <clears throat> based on the above, Tuvan Gamashaiches de Her Ohu Kesher Sheltfilin. And now we can understand on a deeper level, because we understood on the on the first level was that the Kesher is what keeps the crown of the Tfilin in place. But now the Rebbe is drilling down again on the word Kesher. What's the connection between Kesher, the not Dafka, Lesede Bakashas Rachamim? to asking for Hashem's mercy through these Yudke Momidas. And he says, Bizayhar the Parshasenu, in the Zayar and our Parsha Isa, Shabhiyav Rabyesi Kashruk Sharim, Kedeshala Yishkahu as Divri Hatar Shashamu. That 
Rebchia and Rebiasi used to make knots as a device for not forgetting Torah that they heard. V'isa b'acharenim, and the acharenim explains shezehu gam hamakar b'tayra laha da amri inche that people say sheasias kesher he eats a shaloi lishkoyach davar shreitzim lezachrei that this is the source in Torah for those that say that making a knot is a <coughs> is efficacious to not forgetting things that you want to remember. What's the connection between nodding and remembering? You can one can explain this through what is explained in the Tanya Nigeris Hatshuva, but Perish Maimar Chazal in explaining what Chazal say, Adam Avar Avera Chule. That that um, Chazal tell us that what should a person do who trespassed? He did an avera. What should he do that he should live? If he used to read, he used to learn one page. He should learn two pages. Meaning. He should double down on doing good things. And that will redress the Avera. Shezehu, Saltrab explained, Shezehu kimashal hachevel hanifsak. This is an analogy for a cord that was cut or torn. And what do you do? You you knot the two pieces together. And at the at the place where it's knotted, there the cord is stronger, doubly as strong as usual. That spiritually speaking, the connection to something with a knot is a manifestation of a very strong, a, ver- a much stronger connection. So the so the the default connection is the cord. The very strong connection is the place where the cord was cut and then knotted. And that's why nodding something euphemistically, meaning doubling what you did. So if normally you had one ear, one level of how much you learned or how carefully you did a certain mitzvah, but what's the etzah to redress that if there was chalila, a trespass, is to double down on that. And that is the the idea of a knot. And by the place of the knot, that's where it's strongest. And that's why this causes a repair for a sin. And when a person connects himself to Kedusha, 
not just in a regular way, but with a kesher, with a knot, then it's not shaykh. It's just not possible for there to be forgetfulness. And forgetfulness is what leads to the possibility for sin in the first place. And now to take it more spiritually, that when you create this not to spirituality, or you create this spiritual knot with Hashem, then you aviate the possibility of connection to klipa. And klipa is the source of the forgetfulness. And once you do this, from, from creating this, this knot spiritually, nishtal shel gam begashmias she'asiyas kesher gashmi misayaas levatel shikha kapshute. And afterwards, what devolves from this is that physically making a physical knot helps to not forget. Literally, to not forget. Zayin. V'zui gam ha-shaychaz di'ini v'ra'isas ha-chayrei her-ohu kesher shel So this is the connection between what Hashem showed Moshe, that he showed him the knot of the tefillin, L'seider bakashas rachamim to the yudgim omidas rachamim. Bishah shalimeda kadosh baruch hu es Moshe seider bakashas rachamim hapoyel tikon achet. At the same time that Hashem taught Moshe, the yudgim omidas rachamim, which effectuate repair and and fixing a uh, a sin, her ohu Hashem showed Moshe as teichen ha'inyan v'tikon achet. He showed him how you can be mitakin, how you can repair, how you can redress sin in the most general manner. Haba al yedei kesheshotfilin. This comes from the kesheshotfilin, which euphemistically represents his kashrus chazaka, very, very strong connection. Kesher vizikarin shel tfilin. Tfilin here is, is a placeholder for kedusha. And especially when we remember that everything is created again, every moment, by Hashem. And through this, through being very careful with not forgetting, and what's the way to be very careful that one shouldn't forget by remembering properly everything having to do with Kedusha and Yadus. Through this, we will merit that very soon we will have the fulfillment of the promise that the glory of Hashem will be revealed. The Ra'u. And we will see, all flesh will see together that Hashem speaks. And then, and then we will no longer need to remember. 
איך כל הבריאה, כל בשר, מזהבה בכל רגע על ידי פי השם דיבר. We will see with our eyes. We won't have to remember. You only have to remember something that's not in front of you at that moment. We will see with our eyes that kol basar, that all flesh, kol habria, the entire creation, is brought into existence at every moment through pi Hashem diber, through the word of Hashem that Hashem speaks, me'ayin ve'efes ha'mukhlat mamash, from complete nothingness. And this will be בביאס משיח צדקנו, יבוי ויגלנו, וילכנו כממיוס לארצנו במהרה בימינו ממש. He should come, he should redeem us, he should bring us in upright fashion to our land, speedily in our days ממש. Again, we're asking for a for Shlema, for Harab Yaakov Tuvya, Ben Chava Gittel, we're asking for a for Shlema for all those who were wounded in this current war for the return home safe and sound in body and mind and spirit of all those who were abducted, that there should be shalom al Yisrael. Yeah. 